So I want to start with a question for us this morning. How might that thought change how you look and think about your day? Imagine on the bathroom mirror in your house, the words resurrection power is going to flow through, your, through you today and the people you meet are going to experience it too. I want to take a moment just to actually honor Crestwood community who are with us today, Crestwood Vineyard Church, who are here with us, not by plan, but by um, circumstances that led them to be here today, meaning they couldn't use their building in the same way. And I just want to take a moment to say thank you to you guys for who you are as a community. One of the ways that it has spoken to me is about the way that you guys have very intentionally sought to pray for people and to bring the good news of Jesus to folks who are outside of the church. And you know, there's something um, that we have received as a church community here. I think about Kay Davis as one example. Kay is regularly going out on a Wednesday, taking people and praying for folks on the streets because of the impact of doing training at Crestwood. And I wanna say thank you. Brian, would you come up real quick? And just, uh, just to illustrate this real quick, I put Brian on the spot this morning, but this is Brian Blount. He's one of the leaders at Crestwood. And uh, he and Brock had lunch today. And I wondered if you, this last week, sorry. And uh, would you just tell briefly what happened in the restaurant when you had lunch? Absolutely. So I knew when uh, Brock said, hey, let's have lunch on 418, I knew that meant, you know, Brock's very prophetic and we're prophetic people. And that automatically was Luke 418, the spirit of the Lord's upon us. Mm. And the Spirit of the Lord's upon us because of the resurrection of Christ. And as we were having lunch at Thai Delight, which I also thought was funny because delight, literally the Garden of Eden meant delight. And as believers, we are to spread forth the delight of God, the power of God comes upon us to be a witness of the resurrection of Christ even when you're having lunch. And guess what happens? The waiter not only gets healed, touched powerfully by Jesus, but then we said, do you happen to know anybody else that might need a healing? So what he did, he went in the kitchen, brought out the owner of Thai Delight. And we sat there and prayed for him for about five, 10 times as the power of God came on his body and was completely healed. Yeah. That's the resurrection of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. That's good. In his church, that's what we get to do as believers. Yeah. Amen? Amen. 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 Thanks, Brian. So my question for us is, where do you need resurrection power in your life today? For me, I'll just be transparent for a moment, and you're probably going to think, that's kind of silly. Well, it's just me being real. So it, I realize that in, in, for me, there's, there's lots of areas I need the resurrection power at work in me. But one thing that was hitting me today as I was just thinking about this was, I need it very simply to overcome my weaknesses. My, I have these good intentions, these things I sense the Lord leading me to do, and whether it's spending time with my kids to read the Bible and pray together in the morning, whether it's to exercise, or whether it's to just get to bed at a decent time. And I know that sounds kind of like mundane, but I know the Lord is in it for me. And so I just, but I recognize I keep falling short in these things. And it hit me, what is it for us where we need the resurrection power today? Where is the Lord inviting you to know this power, to overcome? What is it for you to, is it the stuff that drags you down? The stuff that pulls you away from who you are as a person in God? What is, is, it, what is it for you that, is it, is it about the things that spoil your relationships? The conflict, the, the troubles that you have, the, the circumstances, the, the tensions, the unresolved things? Or, what it, where, or is it that you're just, also thinking about 
there's kingdom adventures that God has for me that I just want to know that resurrection power being worked in me so that I can step with boldness into those places. You know, I was thinking about this and it, I thought, let's stop and think for a second. Those are the kinds of things that will be talked about in heaven. The kinds of things that God is inviting you into that require resurrection power. And it looks different for all of us. There's a unique expression. It's not about being a high profile person. It's just about you being faithfully going after the things that God puts in front of you. But those are the conversations that will happen in heaven. Those are the things you'll be known for. Have you thought about that? Do you think about that? Do you think about what is it that God's inviting me into where I need resurrection power in order that I get to enjoy those conversations in heaven? I could make you happy if you think about that for long enough. So turn to the person next to you and say this, resurrection power lives in you. All right, let me pray. We're gonna briefly look at two things, two or three things in Acts 10 that we're gonna move through. Um, This passage is rich and has much in it, but I'm gonna focus particularly in verse 38. If you have a Bible, you're welcome to get it out and look. It'll be on the screen as well overhead. But just as you're finding Acts 10, we're gonna be 34 to 46. That's the section of scripture uh, that we'll be in, but particularly focusing in on verse 38. Let me pray for us and then we'll, we'll run through this together. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for each person here. And I thank you for what you're doing amongst us. And I just ask for your help, Holy Spirit, to speak your word faithfully. And I pray that as we look at your word, and as we sit here together, as we listen to you, I pray that you would move powerfully. I pray that you would illuminate and bring revelation. I pray that you would and bring hope. I pray you bring your kingdom this morning. Lord, just as we heard from just the lunch this week with Brian and Brock, Lord, you long to break in. You long to move. So we just say we position our hearts before you this morning and ask you to move amongst us. We thank you for Jesus. And we just say we love you, Jesus. Amen. Well, Acts 10, 34 to 46, let's read this together. Um, The translation I've got is the NRSV, and that's up here, but feel free to read in the version you have. And this is verse 34. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, everyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. 
All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. So we, when you look at verse 10, it immediately begins with this word then, which then, then, means that we have to consider, well, what does he mean then? Something clearly triggered Peter in order for him to start speaking in this way. And the background in the first 33 verses of Acts chapter 10 really has three phases to it. It's got three movements. There are three distinct moments of what is happening in the build-up before Peter begins this proclamation to this group of people and the Holy Spirit comes. And what's happening is that there is this guy, Cornelius, and he has an encounter with an angel who tells him in this encounter that he's to send for Peter. Well, Cornelius is a God-fearing man. The Bible describes him in that way. And in verse 34, um, in, you can see, in verse 35, I beg your pardon, he, there's a reference to anyone who fears him and does what is right and is acceptable. And in, uh, that is really a reference back to Cornelius and what was said of him in the encounter with the angel who told him that because of his prayers and because of his giving and being generous to the poor, God was gonna meet him. God was gonna encounter him. God was gonna do something. So, so Cornelius sends off for Peter, but while he's sending some people to go and get Peter, Peter himself is having a vision, and he is, I love the normality of the Bible, if you read this another time, it's like, it says Peter was hungry, and so he went off, while dinner was being prepared, he went off to pray, and then he has a vision about food, which is kind of cool and interesting, but at the same time, nothing to do with what the vision is about, because what Peter experiences is this unusual revelation where he has a vision and God shows him in very simple, short terms, things are about to change. That what you knew as normal and who this message of Jesus is for is gonna change forever. You're gonna understand it in the fullness of how God originally meant it. This message for the Jews is now not just for the Jews, but it's for everybody. It's for anyone who believes. And so Peter is getting prepared through this cryptic vision of seeing food and eating food that he's not supposed to eat. And then the last movement before um, is Peter is, uh, receives Cornelius' uh, messengers and then he goes with him um, after hearing about this experience um, and goes to Cornelius' house. <laughs> they, they have this kind of uh, Peter and in a very diplomatic, not really kind of way, just says, uh, I'm not supposed to be here, but God told me to be here, so I guess I should be here, right. And uh, I, I just love the, the, re the normalness of Peter. He's cutting across all of the cultural things that he knows to go and be in a Gentile house and eat with them and, be, and have fellowship, um, but he knows that God is in it. So it's with that backdrop that we hit this, then, and Peter began to speak to them. And the word that I want us to focus in on here is about, is in the sentence where he says, I truly understand that God shows no partiality. And it's a powerful thing for us to grasp hold of because in this moment, Peter is, is having the revelation, I know now that this is for everybody, that what we have experienced, that what we have known of Jesus is for all people. And it's for people who fear him and do what is right. That's the reference that he gives. 
And Cornelius was a man who, um, we don't really know a lot about him other than that he was a God-fearing man, that there was a devoutness about his life, that he cared about the poor and he spent time in prayer. And this is where he met, um, this is where he had this encounter with the angel. And the, in this place, this is, if we can just take away one thing here, there is something about prayer, sincerity, and caring for the poor that has a way of drawing the heart of God. There is something in his life, and if there's a, there's a reference in, in, in Galatians 2, verse, uh, verse 10, that is a, right in that scene there, is, is, there's, a, there's the coming together of the disciples in Jerusalem, and they're figuring out how to communicate the gospel, have they got it right, and right at the end of this important meeting for the future of the church, they, they make this statement to Paul as they're giving him the blessing to go and do his thing, and they say, remember the poor, all that we ask is that you remember the poor, the very thing that I was eager to do. It's in the law of the people of Israel to remember the poor. Something that, uh, that was in that that I think we can get hold of. That's another message, but that's something for us to, to hear and to, and to hold on to. The second thing within this about no partiality is that there is a... Um, the message of, uh, you know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. So this preaching of peace, um, the word peace there is a reference to this breaking down of the wall and division. So this coming together of the people, not so much peace in terms of like anxiety, free from anxiety, but this peace of what, the division that existed. And this was great news for Cornelius and his household. Um, Jesus had come to break down all the barriers, not just for him, um, but amongst all people groups. And the reference to Lord of all, um, some of the commentators on this passage talk about how Lord of all is actually taken originally from um, a pagan title for a deity. So there is this encompassing language, this inclusive language that um, Peter is using to describe what Jesus has done in his bringing everybody together and using a reference that could be understood by those who um, don't know him. And I think that the last thing I want us to see about this partiality is that there is this uh, reminder of God's heart. You know, 2 Peter 3 verse 9 talks about how the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's heart is that all of us would come to that place of knowing him, of encountering him, of being received and being able to receive repentance. There's a story of a, a guy called uh, Nabil Qureshi, and he wrote a book called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. And in the, in the book, he tells of his journey of growing up as a devout Muslim. And, I, and as he grew up, he became a very confident communicator um, about his faith to other people. But through a close friend while he was at university who was a Christian, um, he came to a dramatic U-turn and discovered the truth of Jesus Christ. And he described his turning point like this. I could not put the Bible down. I literally could not. It felt as if my heart would stop beating, perhaps implode if I put it down. There's something about a heart that seeks after God, that is seeking after God but is misdirected and then suddenly it draws God to a place of being connected to him. 
Cornelius didn't know God. He was ignorant about God. He, he didn't know who God was. When he first meets Peter in verse 26, he falls down and starts to worship him. And Peter's like, no, 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 get up. That's not right. Don't do that. That's bad. And, and, but there's something in the sincerity that draws God and draws Cornelius into that place. And I love it, listening to Nabil Qureshi's story because it speaks of a man who sincerely is looking, out, looking for God, but Jesus comes and meets him in that place and reveals himself. There was a, I was thinking about my own story in all of this and how I came to know Jesus, and I was thinking, well, I don't think I was very righteous. I don't think I was praying. I don't think I was doing much for the poor. I don't think I was seeking after God in a different way. I was just kind of looking out for number one and doing my own thing. And I was thinking, well, so how does this fit? Like, God, what's that about? Like, you came to me and I wasn't looking for you. Unless you count going and having a free dinner with a group of people um, on a university campus as being righteous, but I'm not quite sure that a free dinner, anyway. My point is this, I don't think I was doing right when Jesus came and interrupted my life and spoke to me and drew me in. But God was just looking for a spark. He's just looking for something that awakens, that, that calls out to him. And I just wanna say, if you're here today and you're in that place, you don't feel like you're, there's much that you can point to that is evidence of a life well lived, or you're feeling like you've got some sense of I've got these good deeds I can stack up and show for my life. God doesn't need that. He just needs you to look and to, to recognize there's a longing and there's a desire in your heart. And I just ask you to encourage, I encourage you to think about that and to think about that he's inviting you today into a place of relationship with him. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him and he's faithful to meet you. God will meet people who seek him. Secondly, what's the message for in this passage? Verse 37 and 38, this is kind of the, the main bit that we're gonna focus in and then we're gonna finish up here. The first, verse 37 and 38 reads, the message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced. And this was the message, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. The first thing I want to see is the reference to the name uh, that, that, that Peter uses. He, he calls him Jesus of Nazareth. And that connects us with the humanity of, of Jesus, that he's a, he's a real person who is in real time and place. And the, uh, <laughs> the incredible thing about what Jesus did when he came to the earth, when he, was, when he was incarnate as a human and living, he set aside his majesty. So he came from heaven, he came from a place of being fully God and fully operating in the power of God. And it says in Philippians 2, verse six to eight, this is what it says about what Jesus did. He said, Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Verse seven, he emptied himself of his power. He emptied himself so that he could be filled with the Holy Spirit, so that as a human, he would identify with us, but he was then filled with the Holy Spirit and lived dependent on the Holy Spirit in his life. 
Peter describes that Jesus' life was spent doing, the, doing good things and setting people free from the, the works of the enemy. And he does the same for you and I today. This, this picture, it's not just an, a picture of a model of how we can live as Christians because this is us, right? We're in human form today. We all identify with our humanity. We, when I think about our humanity, I think about the fact that we're frail, that we're, we have fragility, we, we have weaknesses. There are things that we struggle with, that we wrestle with in this life that, that remind us every day we are not God and we are real life people who have to walk out this challenging existence. But Jesus chose to live this way so he could demonstrate to us that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and live the kind of way that he lived. This is, he, he does the same today. Jesus is at work in you and I today doing the same things he did and he wants to invite us into that place where we realize we have the Holy Spirit inside of us and we can do the very things that Jesus did. We are people with names. We're real people in a time and place. But now we are filled with Easter Sunday resurrection power. The Holy Spirit. So that means this, that we can be powerful and a work in progress at the same time. How many of you relate to the experience of discounting yourself sometimes? Of just, thanks Jeremy, he's got his hand up back there. <laughs> How many of you have those days when you just don't feel like you're very powerful? And you feel like, man, I'm just getting my butt kicked. Sorry, I don't, can't say that. Can I say that? I just did, so, never mind. <laughs> Sorry, Wallace. Uh, I know there are days like in the week when it's like, I don't even, what am I doing? Like, I don't know if I can even get my clothes on and get out of the house and function in my job. But this reminds us that we are a people, real people with real fragility, but we are filled with the Holy Spirit now. We have it in us. God has given it to us and he's ready to meet us as we take steps. You know, I think that's what faith looks like, isn't it? Faith is when you like on the floor and I can't move saying, I may not feel it right now, but there is resurrection power in me. And if I choose to step into that place and follow, and Je follow Jesus today, I'm gonna experience that resurrection power. I don't know about you, but I need that reminder every day. You know, the word anointed that, um, that is used here to describe Jesus in verse 38, it means two things. It, it, in one sense, it's actually about being chosen. So it's about Jesus as the chosen one. He's been uh, picked out to do um, and to be the person that he is. And the second thing is this idea that the anointing really comes from this idea of being covered or if you like smeared with oil, this kind of uh, resting on and covering you. And so there is this understanding that we have when, when, when it talks about Jesus being anointed, he, he's, he's set apart, he's been picked for this thing, and he's covered, literally covered, in what is required of him um, to fulfill it. We carry that same anointing, that same kind of anointing today. It's on us and it's in us now because Christ lived, he died, and was raised. 
we have received forgiveness for our sins and we have the filling of the Holy Spirit. But not just that, but you and I are chosen people now. God picked us out. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm still fairly aware of how unworthy I am to be picked out by God. I remember how I lived for a season of my life. But it, it doesn't matter what your story is, whether you've known him from a very young age, God looked at each one of you and picked you out and said, I choose you. I choose you. And that also means that when we have this anointing on us to live, it means that we have a God who sees us and he knows us and he's not just this random haphazard, boom, here you go, now just kind of detonate wherever you go, this resurrection power, but it's this in you to lead you and to guide you and to know you and to know where to take you and how you can live your life. He's, that's how real he is. He, he doesn't just anoint for the sake of getting a job done, he leads you in the design of who you are. He's chosen you. So you've got power, but you also have a loving God who says, I'm gonna lead you and I'm gonna guide you to live like this. That may be also good news, I don't know, maybe. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm being a little self-deprecating. That's good news, isn't it? Okay. Last thing I just want us to uh, look at is what was the implication? What, what, what did Jesus do with this anointing? Well, he did good and he healed all who were oppressed by the devil. Doing good though, I think, has a new meaning when we remember we are filled with the Holy Spirit and carry resurrection power around with us. Becky Hartman, where are you? I totally, is she around? Come on up, Becky. Come and help me out for a second. I want you to hear just a quick story from Becky. I totally put her on the spot like Brian and just asked her to share something. But while she walks up, I, I want us to catch hold of this idea that we're in a new season um, in Oklahoma City. And uh, there are things that are beginning to happen that I think are different. And whether it's been a slow build over many years or whether it's a more suddenly moment, I think that we find ourselves in a new place. And I just want Becky to share just something of a snapshot because there's tons of stories that she could of something that's happening with your school at the moment where you work. Is that all right? Okay. You, you want me to share about the day of prayer? Yeah, whatever you okay. want. Okay. Just go for it. Um, I had come back from the send where I watched 60,000 people get activated. And one of the things that was my takeaway was Jesus having me look at what is in your hand. And I'm a speech pathologist in a school that is poverty stricken. People are in really hard and dark places. And I had felt a hopelessness going into work. So after coming back from the send and hearing what is in your hand, I just asked the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do here? So not knowing how that prayer was gonna be answered, I got to school one day and the assistant principal of my school kind of snatched me up and pulled me into her office and she just started weeping. And for me, it was, what is in your hand? So I just asked the Holy Spirit to come and he spoke some words of encouragement through me to her. Um, and she just kept going, I, I have no idea how you knew that. 
And she said, you have to come with me. So she takes me across the hall to where our principal is and knocks on the door and and asks if we can come in and says, you have to experience what I just experienced. So then I prayed over the two ladies, both of them in each arm. Oklahoma City Schools has just recently shut down 20 schools. So people are totally unknowing about where their next job, school, what they're gonna do. So these two women stood under my arms weeping and God just kept speaking to them. And I felt so ill-equipped. I, it was like an out-of-body experience, but I just kept asking the Holy Spirit to love on them. Mm. So I leave the office, the, the principal followed me out and said, there's no way you could possibly have known what just happened an hour ago. Mm. I had just gotten a call from who I would consider the chaplain of our school and everything you just prayed, he spoke to me an hour before Mm. that the foundation that I had prayed, this principal had prayed over our school, that that was not going to be lost. Mm. So I left like praying that I wasn't gonna get fired because I really stepped out in that moment headed back to my office and sat down and was like, okay, that was in my hand. Thank you, Lord. Like, thank you. I'm hopeful what's happening here. Within like three minutes, I get a knock on my door and it's another teacher from our school. She kind of stirs around my office. She had never been in my office. And she said, I have no idea why I'm in here. Why am I in your room? And I'm like, I don't know why you're in here either. (laughs) But I just said, well, tell me what's going on. She said, I feel like I'm supposed to leave a really bad situation. She starts tearing up and I'm like, can I just pray for you? I lay my hands on her. And once again, the Holy Spirit comes with things I could never have known. She's like, this is why I came into your room. She leaves. 10 minutes later, another teacher, now I'm calling this chair in my office, the prayer chair. It's a blue chair that when they sit down in, but that happened three more times that afternoon. And since then that's kept happening. Yeah, so good. (laughs) I want us to feel it because God is doing something new and I believe that it's a time for us to start expecting more of what God will do in our lives and through our lives. Not that Becky's place, you know, a big part of Becky's life is in that school and that's, those are the examples that come from her life as a, as, a, as a teacher and working with students. But you know, for you and I, it's the same thing. God is at work in the city. And I think as we recognize and as we pay attention, we can expect him to be at work in many of the places. And I know that's not unique. There are many other people who could stand up here and share of what God is doing in new ways across the city. But I just wanna say this. At the end of this passage, verses 44 to 46, and just kind of dotted through the 40s of this chapter, there's this understanding that we're commissioned to preach this message now, to testify. I love testify because it really takes the pressure off. It's just like, hey, God's doing this stuff. Do you wanna hear about it? It's, you don't have to be this amazing persuasive person. And then the last bit of this, it, it just is what I think God wants us to be ready for and to expect. That it, it's kind of funny because you look at it, if you go to the, the last, late in the last, one, part, last passage of like 44, 43, 46, that one, uh, there it is. Uh, 
While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the words. In other words, all right, Peter, you're done. It's my turn now, says the Holy Spirit. You know, there's this moment of, Peter, you've said some words, thank you, that's helpful. Now the Holy Spirit's gonna come. And I think that's something for us in this season. Wherever you are, like, look for the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm finding myself now, as I'm thinking about this, I'm like, when I'm coaching soccer with, with some teenagers, or I'm, I'm like looking at them like, do you see the Holy Spirit? I'm like, I don't really do it like that, but I'm, it's, something is shifting in me, and I, wanna, I want us to, as a community, if you like, across the city, to, to catch hold of that. Be on the lookout. It's not just out there, it's in your families, it's with your relationships, it's, it's in all spheres, but be on the lookout. God wants to do something new in this season. So, I need to stop talking. We're to be a people of resurrection power because we've received the good news that Jesus was crucified for our sins. He died and then raised to life three days later. Let's pray. And just as I, as I pray, if a couple of things could happen, I, I think, um, do we have side communion? Do we have side communion? Yeah. Okay, great. We have a number of ways that we can uh, respond here. Um, as we wrap up, um, the band are gonna come back and leaders, um, you can come and down here to my left and to your right, there'll be a communion offered. It's not a full on, but it's anyone who'd like to come and take communion, you can come. Um, if you're on the ministry team this morning, if you'd come down and make yourselves available, just wanna ask that uh, if there's anything that you would like someone to pray with you about, um, anything at all, that's the word of knowledge for this morning, any prayer for anything, come and get prayer. You have something, okay. You wanna do it now? All right.